Hi, and welcome to Yokine Baptist Church. This is a sermon recording taken from one of our regular church services. You can find out more about us as well as more recordings like this one on our website, yokinebaptist.church, or by connecting with us on Facebook. Thanks for joining us today. We really hope you're encouraged by this message and that it draws you closer to God. Before I start, I'm going to pray. Father, we just come before you and we thank you so much for your word. I just pray now that you're with me as I preach from your word, and I just pray that I do that faithfully. Um, May my words never be remembered, but your truths um, come to the surface and sink into your congregation. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so what I am literally going to do this morning is reread our reading in in like chunks and sections, and I'm going to literally retell it, just so that we can really kind of get a grasp of the, like what's going on in this story. Um, I'm actually going to be reading off this screen, so um, hopefully it's all good. So it's up on the screen there, the first section. Now, Adonizedek, king of Jerusalem, heard that Joshua had taken Ai and totally destroyed it, doing to Ai and its king as he had done to Jericho and its king. And that the people of Gibeon had made a treaty of peace with Israel and had become their allies. He and his people were very much alarmed at this because Gibeon was an important city like one of the royal cities. It was larger than Ai and all its men were good fighters. So we have the king of Jerusalem. He is alarmed, worried, because he has heard how Israel is going around destroying these nations. And it says here that he's heard about what they've done to Jericho. If you, if you remember, they actually, Israel walked around the walls of Jericho, and they were just blowing trumpets, and then the walls fell down. It was a miraculous victory, so it's clear that God is on their side. But not only that, is now Israel have an ally, this place called Gibeon, the Gibeonites. And it says here that Gibeon is a mighty nation, and all its men are good fighters, very good fighters. So this is another reason for them to be worried. And the king of Jerusalem knows that when eventually... Israel comes to attack Jerusalem, they won't stand a chance. So I don't want to get anything thrown at me, so I'm just going to wait. Good? Sweet. All right, cool. Let's move on to the next section. So Adani Zedek, king of Jerusalem, appealed to Hoam, king of Hebron, Piram, king of Jarmuth, Shephiah, king of Lachish, and Debir, king of Eglon. Come up and help me attack Gibeon, he said, because it has made peace with Joshua and the Israelites. Then the five kings of the Amorites, the kings of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jarmuth, Lachish, and Eglon, joined forces. They moved up with all their troops and took up position against Gibeon and attacked it. So the king of Jerusalem he decides to go get some allies of his own. He finds these four Amorite kings. 
So in total, there's now five of them. And these five kings, they're like, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to go attack Gibeon to eliminate them as a threat. Let's get rid of them. So let's just go attack them. So this is a battle that's five nations, like five full armies, literally against one. Okay? As much as it says that um, Gibeon were a mighty nation, they still don't stand a chance against five armies. So they are greatly outnumbered, and they do not stand a chance. All right, next section. Uh, I'm, look, I'm just rushing through this just so that we can really get um, a picture of what's going on, all right? So, section three. The Gibeonites then sent word to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal, Do not abandon your servants. Come up and help quickly and save us. Help us, because all the Amorite kings from the hill country have joined forces against us. So Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including all the best fighting men. The Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. All right. So the Gibeonites, they're being attacked. And they send word to their ally, Joshua and the Israelites. They say, Come help us. And it says here that Joshua rallied his troops and left straight away. Now I want to remind you that this is now, now a two against five. Uh, so we've still got five nations, and even with Joshua and Israel helping, which they're a mighty nation as well, it's still two against five. This is like suicide to go and actually help them. This is, uh, yeah, not smart. But this is why at the end there, it is so important that where God says, do not be afraid of them. It's up on the screen. Do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. God says, don't worry, they've already won. Joshua clearly trusts God and goes straight in. Joshua is a man of faith. He, he, he def- demonstrates this through the whole book of Joshua. He's constantly trusting the Lord. But why wouldn't he, right? God's just doing so many amazing things. This is where we're getting into now the good bit. Okay, I've rushed in, but now we've got the feel. So we're now getting into this juicy bit. We're in, we're in the battle. It says this. After an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. The Lord threw them into confusion before Israel. So Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely at Gibeon. So as soon as the Israelites get there it says this it says that the lord threw them into confusion now we're going to read the next bit it actually says that at what they did is they ran away okay so the enemy this massive army five nations sees israel coming and they actually get confused something happens and comes over to them and they actually retreat and what I want to point out here is that God is actually active in this fight. God is actually, he's making them confused. He actually did that to them. You see, which brings me to my first point that I want to make this morning is that God is active. He's active in creation. I, and I think all of us as Christians, can sometimes forget that God is actually doing things. You know, sometimes I think God's just watching life. 
You know, he's just kind of behind the scenes watching things play out. But that's not what Scripture teaches. God is active. He's actually, he doesn't have his hands tied behind his back. Our God is a sovereign God. He's a sovereign God. He, he, he's constantly doing things in our life right now, not just in the Bible, but in our life right now. He is active. Do we walk in a light of that? Do we actually believe that God is active in creation? And he's not just doing that here. He does this through the whole um, Bible. I just, just off the top of my head, I think of um, in Exodus, you know, the Pharaoh. Uh, it says that God hardened his heart. You know, he's constantly hardening hearts, softening hearts, manipulating people to do his will. He's, like, he's literally got his hand upon creation doing these amazing things. Well, good job. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's go to the next bit. So this is them running away All right. on the screen. Israel pursued them along the road going up to Beth Horon and cut them down all the way to Azekar and Makedah. As they fled before Israel on the road down to Beth Horon to Azekar, the Lord held large hailstones upon them and more of them died from the hail than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. All right, so I just want to paint a picture here. This is awesome. So there's the en- enemies running away, and then all of a sudden, God makes it start raining hail down. Now, this must have been pretty big hailstones, right, because it actually was killing people. And miraculously, the hailstones didn't hit the good guys, right? It didn't hit the, the Israelites. It only hit the enemy. Okay, so this is like heat-seeking hail, like coming from the sky. Like, you know, like it's... This is amazing. This is amazing stuff. And it actually says that more people were killed by the hail than by the sword. So in other words, more people were killed directly by the hand of God than by the Israelites themselves. Which brings me to my main point this morning, is that God fights for Israel. As a matter of fact, he does most of the work. All right, in this battle, he's, it's clear that God is doing all the work. He's doing all the fighting, and God is their ally. And you might ask, yeah, okay, that's clear. God does fight for Israel. That's clear through the whole Old Testament. But what does that mean for us as Christians? I want to just go to the New Testament for a minute here. I don't want to get too much into this. It can be deep. But the, the language of Romans seems to have this idea that Christians are not this new nation that takes over Israel or instead of Israel, but rather we are actually like joined to Israel, grafted in. The Romans eleven seventeen up on the screen there, it says, you though a wild olive shoot have been grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root. This is the language that Paul seems to use in describing where we now stand as Christians. Up there I've got a little aid to help us kind of visualise this. What's grafting? Um, So the first tree there on the left is, that represents Israel, okay? And then as in the middle we've got the Christians kind of the new or the Gentile believers being put on top and then bound in that last one, bound together. So we actually now become one nation. So the reason why I bring this to you 
is because this means when I say God fights for Israel, it means God fights for Christians. God fights for us in the exact same way. Okay. This is pretty cool. Um, I mean, Roman, Romans 8.31 says, if God is for us, who can be against us? And God is for us, right? Do we, do we live our life knowing that God is active in creation? So he's doing stuff, right? And he's actually on our side. He's our ally. He's fighting for us. He's doing all this wicked stuff in our life. And he is for us, so who can be against us? This should shape our lives in every single way. Every way. Our God is amazing. The next um, part of the uh, reading that I got into, this is quite exciting for me. I believe, okay, this is a pretty bold statement, but I believe that this, what we're about to read, is the most miraculous event recorded in history. I'm not meaning besides the cross, okay? So besides the death and resurrection of Jesus, okay? I'm, I'm talking like this is more miraculous than the parting of the seas, the raining hail down on your enemies, raising the dead, all this stuff. This is so cool. This is mind-blowing to me. Okay, so I just want to get you excited before we read it. <laughs> all right, let's read. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, Sun stands still over Gibeon, and you moon over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, and the nation avenged itself on its enemies. As it is written in the book of Jasher, the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down for about a full day. There has never been a day like it before or since, a day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. Maybe as I read it, it might not seem that cool, but it is really just awesome. As, as I've been studying this, I've been thinking, okay, the sun stood still. That's cool, but if we know in modern science the sun's not moving, right? It's not actually moving. It's, it's, it's where it's in its own place. So this actually means that the earth actually has stopped spinning for a whole day. That's incredible to me. Like, Joshua prayed for it to happen, and literally the earth stopped spinning. I, I googled what would happen if the earth stopped spinning. Now, I don't, I don't recommend, you know, trusting Google as a resource, but nonetheless, this is what Google said to the question, what would happen? Okay, up on the screen. If the earth stopped spinning suddenly, the atmosphere would still be in motion with the earth's original 1100 mile per hour rotation speed at the equator. All of the land masses would be scoured clean of anything not attached to bedrock. This means rocks, topsoil, trees, buildings and so on would be swept away into the atmosphere. Alright, so, in other words, mess, okay? That's what it says. Lots of mess would happen. Um, and in the book of Joshua, that didn't happen, right? So not only did God stop the earth, but he preserved it as well. Like, th that didn't happen. This is, this is a, a miracle that I can't get my head around. Okay, this is so cool. Um, 
Some people, it's so cool and so miraculous that some people, and I've actually heard while doing preparation for this, I heard a sermon um, saying that they don't believe this is literal. They'll say things like, oh, it's just poetic language. Oh, it's just poetic. It just means um, God, uh, God gave them the victory. You know, or they might say things like, oh, it's just like a, an eclipse. You know, it's like it just appeared, like it, um, it extended. I take this literally. And you are free to disagree with me, but I'll, I'll just explain why I think this is literal. The, f- the first reason is that, I mean, Joshua says, sun stands still, and it says, the sun stood still. Okay, I trust the Bible. But we've got more. The author of Joshua seemed to think that this needed more. And he even says, he says, as it is written in the book of Joshua. So he's saying, not only is this event recorded here, but it's also recorded in the book of Jasher. So, first off, the book of Jasher is, we, we don't have this book, okay? we don't know what it says, but it seems that the, the author of Joshua is actually quoting the book of Jasher right here. And this is what it says. It says, The sun stopped, stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down for a full day. There has never been a day like it before or since. That's so cool. There has never been a day like it before or since. This just sounds like a literal event. This eliminates any of those other possibilities. It's not just an eclipse. This is a unique event recorded in not one but two places. This is so cool. Our God is able. This is amazing. What kind of faith must Joshua have had to pray for this? That's amazing. Who, who here has prayed for the earth to stop spinning? Right? Like, that's crazy. So often when I pray, I pray for reasonable things. <laughs> you know, like, I'll, I'll, if I have a sore back, I won't say, God, heal my back. I'll say something like, God, give me the strength to get through it. <laughs> You know, I'm not saying everyone does this, I'm just dodgy. But um, we, ought to, we ought to pray with this kind of faith. We've we got to understand that God can do miracles. Do we dare to pray for miracles? Do we pray, dare to pray for healing? Or if something in our life seems completely impossible, do we actually ask Him for it? This is our God. He's active. He fights for us. And He is able. This is... This is amazing. I'm not, say, not saying that God answers every single prayer if we have enough faith. Okay? So, although some people teach that. This is not what I'm saying. Sometimes God says no. Sometimes God says not right now. And sometimes God says you don't need that. My grace is sufficient for you. But sometimes God says, yeah, okay. That's according to my will. I'm going to do that. This is not about necessarily prayer. This is about do you, do we, do we trust? Do we trust this God? Do we trust our God? I like this picture. So I want you to imagine for a minute that you're this kid up on this diving board, right? And you're looking down into the pool on a diving board. 
when you really envision this, okay? And you're looking in, and all of a sudden, you, you want to jump, and the water, it's actually empty. It's all gone. The water's gone. And you pray to God, and you say, God, if you fill this pool with water, I will surely jump. And God says, no. You jump, and then I'll fill the pool with water. Do you jump? Is this how we live our life? You know, I think... This is hard because so often we can pray, we can actually pray, and we wait for God to respond to us before we act. But this is not how we ought to be. We should be like Joshua, knowing that God is on our side. He's already, he has already won the battle. He might not answer the prayer exactly the way that we want it to be, but he's on our side. He knows what's best for us. This is about trust. Do you trust God? I, this is something that I can actually sometimes lose sight of. But this is our God. This should excite you. It's so amazing. It's so cool. We can jump and know that he's got this. That's so cool. I know I'm taking up a fair bit of time, but I, um, one more thing that I just stood out um, while I was looking through this. This is just popped out at me. It's not necessarily what this particular passage says. Um, but it came to me while I was doing my preparation. And I just think of how God extended the day. God extended the day. So often skeptics, or actually even Christians, might ask the question, why is it taking Jesus so long to return? You know, 2,000 years is a long time. Is he even coming? And... I just want to say to you guys that if Jesus even returned a hundred years ago, not a single one of us would even be born, let alone know the hope that we have in Christ. I am actually really grateful that Jesus is taking his time. I'm so grateful that because he has taken 2,000 years to return, that I can know him personally and have a hope of eternal life. So God is extending the day, you see. He's actually, he's opening, he's stretching out the time and he's letting more people come into his kingdom. This is an act of love. Every single, he knew that every single one of you would put your faith in his son. So he's taking longer so that he can bring more people in. That's so cool. I mean, I, I do pray. Look, I pray for God's kingdom come. I pray for Jesus to return. I can't wait. Of course I do, but I pray for God's will to be done. And it just seems that God's will is that he loves us and he wants more and more people in his kingdom. This is so beautiful. My last point is that God loves us so much. I'll just quickly give you a summary. Is that God is active. God fights for Israel, which means he fights for us. God is able and God loves us so very much. And before I finish, I just want to talk to anyone who is with us today that might not actually be a Christian yet. Maybe you're hearing this message and you're thinking, well, this God seems pretty crazy. Well, yeah, it is. But um, these miracles that we've been looking at, they are real. He's actually done those things. And maybe you're like, okay, well, I wouldn't mind knowing that God. 
but I'm too unclean or I'm, I'm not good enough or I'm too sinful. Well, I just want to point out that those miracles that we looked at, stopping the earth, raining hail from the sky, is nothing in comparison to what he has done on the cross. I just want to point out that what he has done is literally grabbed our sin, our wrongdoings, our crimes against him. And actually, the ones we've done, the ones that we do now, and the ones that we're going to do, okay? Everything, all our dodginess, all our wrongdoing, I can't believe it, even the stuff that we haven't done yet, is all placed upon him on the cross. This is a miracle. This is, this is the most miraculous thing. I, I, and it just baffles me, his love. You are completely forgiven in Christ. You are not, not too unclean. He wants you. He's literally extending the day for you. He wants you to come. And I really, really invite any, anyone, anyone who, who doesn't know him yet, you've got to know him. You've got to know this God. He's so amazing. This is real stuff. Thanks for joining us today. And extra thanks to those that have donated to us online. It's your generosity that enables us to continue our ministry to the local community and beyond. It's because of you that our ministry is possible. If you would also like to support us, visit ybc.church/give. You can also access our website to find out more about our community by visiting yokinebaptist.church or by connecting with us on Facebook. If you've enjoyed listening to this message, Be sure to subscribe and share it with your friends. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for listening and God bless.